0: <laughs> oh, that was interesting okay said recording in progress okay hopefully it's old i don't know um yeah so the uh right so so what we see is we have rabbi eliezer rabbi eliezer rabbi eliezer rabbi, rabbi eliezer have a, a seemingly uh a, a machloket that is if, if you had to choose sides who who is making more sense in the uh machloket between rabbi eliezer and rabbi Joshua? A good way to try to sometimes, I find, and this is just a strategy I use, maybe it's a cognitive strategy that works uh, not for everybody, but it works for me a lot of times, is I ask myself which side makes more sense, and then I try to play devil's advocate and, and figure out what the other side uh, must be thinking. Sometimes that helps me to open my mind to different possibilities. I don't know if it always works or it will work for you, but which side seems to make sense? Reby is, a, is a, Oshua's argument is like this. Look. Is a, is a philosophical statement, so to speak. It's, a, it's a, gener, a generic statement, right? So if you're going to look at it as just a generic statement about Hashem, you could say it all year round and get away with it. But we don't do that. We only say it at a time where it's desirable. So that means that we start on Shemini and we end on Pesach, because, and that's what delimits our saying of Mashiva Bochum Oreda Geshem. Rabbi Eliezer was saying, let's say it on the first day of Sukkot, he's ignoring the fact that you don't really want rain during Sukkot. So, so and he says, what difference does it make? Just because I'm praising Hashem that he's Mashiva Bochum Geshem on the first day of Sukkot doesn't mean I want rain. I'm just saying a praise of God. So Rabbi Oshua's answer to that is that if you're going to say a praise of God is unrelated to whether you want that particular blessing at that time, then uh, you should say it all year round. Why are you limiting it? What is your basis for starting on the first day of sukkot? Why do you just all, why don't you just always say Mashivo Homoi well, okay, that's, mean, that's, that's... because
1: I got sukkot is I got seed, right?
0: Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, so it's like right now if you're you're thinking God for giving you all the fruits that you have, so you have to acknowledge the root of that also. So you have to an argument. Or just mentioning because that's
0: what the holiday is about. So you're saying that it connects to the idea of the harvest. Yeah. Well, that that could that could be helpful maybe in understanding a little bit better why it's related to the holidays at all, because one of the questions, like let's say, for example, when we start saying it's kind of at a random date. It doesn't have any connection to any any uh, holiday, right? I mean, you couldn't really start saying on a holiday because you don't have a weekday Amidah on a holiday, but it's it's not related in any way, but we do stop saying it on Pesach officially. Um, so, you know, you see that changes in the liturgy don't have to be tied to holidays at all. So the very fact that you have to connect that, that for some reason, both Rabbi yoshua and Rabbi Eliezer agree that for some reason, this mentioning of has to take place on a holiday is itself not uh, self evident, right? It's not self evident that that should be the case. Um, and as you're saying, maybe you could tie it into the idea of um, Chag Hasif. The only thing is that um, it, that if you're, it, once you generalize it beyond uh, the uh, current circumstances, Rabbi Yoshua's argument is that why can't you just say that it's, it's a true statement? I'm, I'm making a true statement about God. He's <speaking> Just like I say, he's a mechayem metim. He doesn't do, he's not doing that right now, but, uh, uh, but it's true. So wh- wh- I, I could say anything about Hashem and appraise any time. And if ma'shi v'obochum geshem is in the category of praises of Hashem that are not, that don't correlate with something that I expect to happen right now. Um, so then, or that I want to happen right now. So then what's limiting me, right? In other words, you're explaining why it's good to mention it on Sukkot. The question is what limits you the rest of the time? Uh, is really what Rebiyoshua's question is,
1: uh, right? Also, like what, what's, what's stopping you from doing it because that's the blaring question. If you want right. to say that you, it's, you're just mentioning it, so you have to say it. this is pinpointing it to, oh, well, this is the time that we, we designate and take us time for the material gifts He gave us, so it's good to mention the roots of those gifts, how He get them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so that would tie it in to the theme of Sukkot. It still wouldn't explain to us why we don't continue doing oh, it the rest of the year, right? That would that would still be a question.
2: Would a suggestion be that the reason why it's not simply mentioned is green is five days a year, because in our perspective, green isn't the pre thing as a farmer, three five days a year for
1: um, the, mm-hmm. the fields. So from our perspective, this is the time of year where it's pre-scorpic thing that
0: it's around.
1: Not that it doesn't
0: rain the entire year, but this is the time where it's pretty good in our respect. Right, right. So I think if we if we look at it, I think if we if we look at it a little more deeply, and we look at that word that Rabbi Eliezer uses, be onato, a little bit more, it might be um, we might be able to get a little closer to what they what their uh, what their real dispute is because the question is. Um, it's true that Mashiva O'Chamor the is true all the time. You know? that's, that's, uh, but there's only a certain time when you're required to say it, even according to Rabbi Eliezer, right? And he insists that that time begins a week earlier than Rabbi Yoshua says. And actually, what we're going to see on the Breitta later is that Rabbi Eliezer says, Yeah, if you said Mashiva O'Chamor the all year round, you wouldn't be wrong. It's just that you're only required to from uh, the beginning of Sukkot. He's, just re- he's, he's moving the requirement up by a week. Okay, he's not actually saying that, uh, that Rabbi Yoshua is wrong about making that observation that once you abstract it from its practical benefit or from the desirability of it, that it, uh, that it, uh, it, it, you know, then it's no longer correlated with that. So what is the, uh, what I think a way to look at it is like this. Praise of Hashem, okay? We praise Hashem Through acknowledging the things that we perceive as beneficial or good And what what praise means is that we acknowledge that the the goods that we perceive Are caused by Hashem That's what it means to praise or to thank It's to acknowledge that the goods that we perceive are caused by Hashem And the question is, what is the definition of a good? And um, And this is, I think, what Rabbi Eliezer, it's a very deep machloket actually. It's not as simple as it seems because rain in particular is a very problematic phenomenon for human beings because rain is a very desirable thing from the perspective of nature, even when it might be undesirable from the perspective of human convenience. Okay. So when you look at the case of Sukkot, for example, what you have is Rabbi Eliezer is basically saying, look, we, I want you to say I want you to mention that Hashem brings the rain in the season of rain. So for you, because you're observing the mitzvah of sukkah and you don't want it to interfere with your sitting in the sukkah, you're saying it's not a good thing. But that's not really true. Because from the perspective of nature, from the perspective of the seasons, from the perspective of Creation it is good. It just happens to be that from your perspective, as a Jew observing the mitzvah of sukkah, it is inconvenient. It's going to interfere with your ability to fulfill the mitzvah, and that's why you don't like the rain. So if you if you look at it that way, really what is encapsulated in this in this mechloket is a basic. Um, tension in how we think of goodness when it comes to all things because a person can think of goodness in terms of some abstract ideal in other words it's good in the sense like you know oh when people it'll rain and people will always be like no rain is good it's good it's it's good we need rain it's good and like that's actually true and people will say that but you know most of the time we don't actually like having rain because you have to go out and you get rained on and it's inconvenient and it's unpleasant and all that so from the perspective of, from the human utilitarian perspective, uh, you would say that it's not good. From the, uh, from the perspective of the Bria, uh, it is good. So I think that what Rabbi Eliezer is saying, when he says I want you to mention not that you have to mention it all year round. It's true that it's relevant all year round. The statement is relevant all year round. And it's not a function of when you want it, that's for sure. It's not a function of when you want it, but it's a function of the fact that during this season is when nature needs it the most. So even though for that first week, and that's the irony of Sukkot, and it's not an accident, in my opinion, I don't think it's an accident, that Sukkot falls right at the beginning of the rainy season, because part of what Sukkot is about is testing the limits or or exploring that sort of overlap, that straddling, that we have uh, over sort of our our being a part of nature and our being separate from nature. To a certain extent, what Sukkot is about is the fact that we are members of, uh, of nature, we're part of nature, we are living within nature. And in another sense, we're kind of separate from it because the other creatures don't go inside when it rains on Sukkot, only we do. So, um, meaning we can't really function it reminds us when it rains during Sukkot that there's a limit to the extent to which we are uh, a part of nature and we come into conflict with nature our interests come to conflict with nature even on Sukkot itself even with the mitzvah of Sukkot itself um and but that's that's the whole point in a sense in other words that we are yes a component part of nature and also uh, something uh, that uh, we function sort of in our own uh, in our own sphere and so that's that that Rabbi Eliezer is saying that when it comes to praise of Hashem, you should be looking at the ultimate uh, big picture. You shouldn't really be looking at whether it's instrumental in your own benefit or not. I mean, you that that's not what a shevach is. A shevach is recognizing God's goodness and the framework of uh, of the whole world. Rabbi Oshoah is saying in the context of tefillah, what we're doing is we're praising Hashem based upon the goods that we perceive as good, not based upon a philosophical understanding of what the real good is. And um, and since we're since we're approaching Hashem from where we stand, baasher husham, you know, where a person is standing now, that they perceive the uh, good as not as they're not being rain. So they can't then say Mashiva Geshem as a Shevach because in their framework as a person who's observing the mitzvah sukkha it's not a benefit right now. So they can't really call it a good thing. Um, and that, that's the, I think that's the, uh, the issue. What, what you classify as good. In other words, are we using some objective transcendent category of goodness, or are we using our human ordinary category of goodness, um, a practical category of goodness to determine what is a value and what is really gonna be a shevach and what is not. And so Rabbi Eliezer, Um, And and the reason why I had mentioned uh, There's also a Mishnah B'chot that I put on the sheet The Mishnah B'chot Talks about if a person uh, Drinks vinegar or a person um, uh, Eats a uh, Eats a locust Do they say she'hakol And you have a similar machloket over there There it's between the Tanakh and Rabbi Yehuda That the Tanakhama says yes If you drink vinegar or you eat locust Or whatever you say she'hakol And uh, Rabbi Yehuda says you don't say anything because these are minklala, because these represent klala. Because if 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 there's vinegar, that means that the wine spoils, right? And if there's if there's locusts, that means the crops are in danger from the locusts. So how can you take this thing and say it's a benefit? It's a good, right? So in other words, in so it's a, it's another example where it's not precisely the same as this, but it's another example where do you look at simply. I'm enjoying this item. It doesn't matter what its significance is in terms of hashkacha, that it represents klala. It represents that Hashem is, you know, bringing locusts or uh, the wine, that, that my wine is not good. And that means that, that I'm, uh, instead of the bachav, uh, uh, v'natati, uh, you know, uh, and all of these things, that you're you're getting you're getting uh, uh, vinegar, you know. So the uh, so we, we don't look at it that way. We look at it from the perspective of look. I'm I'm gaining some satiation from it. It doesn't matter. So so the idea of what is considered good and what's worthy of a bacha is something that the chachamim argued about a lot because good is probably one of those concepts that's the most complicated to uh, to define because it so much depends on the framework that you're using. And if you guys remember back to a couple of years back, we also saw the Rambam when he talked about the Bacha of Dayan Ha'emet, or Hatova metiv, And he said, if something bad happens, even though it might lead to something good later, you still say Dayan Ha'emet. If something good happens, even though you know it might lead to something bad later, you still say Hatov metiv. In other words, you can only see your framework of benefit when it comes to bachot Right? And then and what Rabbi Yoshua is saying is for a person, and perhaps this itself could be a deeper root to the machloket between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi Yoshua is saying we, when a person stands in, in prayer, he's standing ba'ashir u'sham, So he can only say, right? That's the, that's the phrase that they talk about, Yishmael, right? Bashir ba u'sham, where you are now, that's where you're standing. You can't be more than who you are. So since from your perspective, this is not a good, you can't say a shevach based on something that you're supposed to think is good, right? It's, it doesn't work like that. Whereas Rabbi Eliezer is telling you that the tefillah is based on what you should think, what you should think is a shevach, not necessarily what you do think is a shevach. because in your framework right now, it seems like a negative, but in the ultimate framework, it's a good. So you say that shevach because, it's teaching you that it is a good. That so it's it's a different way of viewing how you praise God. Do you adopt a different framework to praise God, or you 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 work within the framework that you exist. Where you stand now, you see. But I still think that Ariel's onto something. They mentioned that it's that it's related to the holidays, and I think we're going to see that shortly. That there, it's not an accident that. Uh, that the mentioning of Mashiv on the holidays because you see that, for instance, um, well, we have that's obviously a later development. But the uh, but the fact that it's on a holiday in particular doesn't seem to be an accident. And we know that on Chag right? We know that on Sukkot, that's when uh, <clears throat> that's when the judgment for rain comes. So it's not an accident that our appreciation of rain or understanding of rain is uh, connected to Sukkot. And in fact, fasts usually would happen not long after Sukkot, a month or so after Sukkot, if the rain didn't come. You know, that's, that's exactly when they would start to fast. Right? Okay. So, uh, so what happens next? Uh, we don't ask for rain until it's closer to the rainy season. So that everybody agrees on. Shel Eno So basically what that's saying is that how do we do the switch from Mashiva Wahidegeshem to Morid Tal or from Morid Tal to Mashiva Huhmoidegeshem? Are we So the person who goes up on Shminyatzeret, the the Acheron is Maskir, meaning the Musaf. That's when you switch it. The Musaf he mentions Mashivaid Geshem. Shacharit, they don't. On Pesach, it's the opposite, right? You're stopping to say it. So how we shown maskir? Shacharit, you're still saying mashiva rochamoy degeshem. no maskir. The guy who says the musaf doesn't mention it. So you see again, it's it the the change of the liturgy is taking place on the chag, on Pesach or on Sukkot. Okay. I don't think that that's necessary. We're going to see that there's there's reason to think that's not an, uh, just by chance, that that it's uh, that way. Okay. Okay. So what we say? What we say? Do next. Moving on in the Gemara, right? Yeah.
1: So this whole idea of uh, what's put in the, as far as nature is concerned versus what's put man is concerned. Are we distingu- distinguish between individual man and the
0: collective nation. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, because you see that uh, that obviously the uh, rain would only be problematic during Sukkot for a Jewish person. A non-Jewish farmer is happy to have rain during Sukkot. Only a Jewish person would be upset about that because of the mitzvah of Sukkah. So it's a it's a situation yeah. where. Or, or, uh, I,
1: won't, I shouldn't interpret. The laws of nature, I think, the direct result of my action. My personal, you know, nature doesn't involve right me. I don't interpret things as uh, being connected to me. Right. We also, but so we do make that connection with nature, meaning, uh, right. in, in the nation. Meaning, if it's for him that we can be the driver. So it
0: right. seems there's a difference. But, uh, but the thing is that that's true about requesting more um but if you if you're talking about praise so when it comes to praising Hashem for something then the question becomes what do I consider to be a good that I'm going to praise Hashem for right so that's different than whether I think the rain is caused by or not caused by me I'm just being honest I'm saying I don't really want rain so why would I praise God? Oh, God is the one that brings the rain if really I'm thinking rain is undesirable to me right now. So why would I want to use that as a uh, a way to acknowledge God's goodness when uh, it's not really Belib Shalem because I uh, I don't really see that as a good right now. And that's why, by the way, we don't request rain right away after, uh, after, uh, uh, after Sukkot. We wait until... But here we wait until the 7th of Cheshvan, but you guys wait until later. But the reason is because they didn't want to start asking for rain when people were still going back from Aliyah el Right? Because it would be rude. Like the people came all the way to Yerushalayim. They're on the way back. They're, they're going now to, uh, you know, back to their respective places after Ali Al and you're praying for it to rain on them. It's not nice. And what does the Kohen Gadol say in the uh, Kodesh Gadol, right? you know, right? That's, uh, don't let the people who are traveling, don't let their prayer not to have rain come before you. We don't want the, you know, uh, we don't want the prayers of the people who are inconvenienced by rain to interfere with the need for rain that everyone else has, right? So when it comes to requests, it's very clear that, yeah, we don't let an individual's interest trump the interest of everybody, but we do look at what our interests are at that particular time when we formulate the tefillah. When we're gonna ask for something, it has to be that we actually want it right now. Not for uh, not that we don't want it, but praise. So,
2: is, is Israel the center of the world or is Israel we pray for the rest of the world? Um,
0: when we're asking for rain?
2: We just think of ourselves exclusively. That we ask for for us, or do we ask for as a collective? And you go would say, you ask for just for us." Yeah. No, it's about the whole
0: world. Well, they're not. Ta- that's. It's important to make a distinction that you know they're not talking about the asking because they're they the asking is more complicated because even you know according to some Shonim, if you live in a place where the seasons are reversed, right? That was a whole thing that uh, in Brazil or whatever. They used to say uh, during the summertime, and uh, you know, if if you live in a place where the uh, seasons are reversed, it's a mecheluket rishonim. Do you base it upon upon Eretz Israel, which happens to follow in terms of the seasons the same as the Western Hemisphere, or do you, uh, uh, you know, uh, or do you, you do you base it upon wherever you are? So some people, some some rishonim hold that uh, if you live in a place that uh, it, it's the opposite seasons, like Australia or something like that, uh, you know, South America. Uh, so then you you should say baruch in the uh, in the uh, you know in, in the summertime, and you should say baruchinu in the wintertime. Um, and that was a big thing that Rav Ovadia went and he told them like as they were following the Rambam and other rishonim that say that you should go by the place where you live and. Uh, and uh, and he said no. We follow the Shulchan Aruch says that we always go by Eretz Israel, and therefore, even if you live in a place that uh, doesn't need rain during the you know that uh, needs um, that has rain during the summer, uh, you can you can ask for it in Koleno, but you don't say Matal uh, That that's a machloket whether we go by Eretz Israel for the request or whether we go by um, whether we go by where you live, but. The, but here they're really just talking about Shevach. In other words, the question is, uh, whether when you are mishabach you have to use something, which do you use what you should feel or do you use what you do feel? In other words, sh- should, I, should I base my Shevach of Hashem on what is correct beyond my interests, what is correct for nature um, uh, and, and for, for the creation, or do I base my Shevach on what I personally perceive as a good, Uh, In my framework right now, as a Jew who wants to observe, uh, who wants to observe uh, Sukkot, when it comes to request, everybody pretty much agrees. We go by your interest because you only ask at a time where it's convenient. You don't ask at times not convenient, but when it comes to Sheva, it's more complicated. What do you praise God for? Um, And is, is the, is the praise of God supposed to be based upon what you perceive as good. You should attribute to God or no that the tefillah is supposed to teach you what you see as good. It should it should educate you. It should basically uh, um, point you to the good that you then attribute to God, even if that's not a good that you are feeling right now. But you should know that that is a good and that comes from God in some more general way. Um, it's similar to, by the way, what uh, the big machloket between, not exactly the same, but uh, similar to like the Rambam versus Rabbeinu Tam on, uh, on Tisha B'Av. Because according to the Rambam, uh, on Tisha B'Av, the restrictions of, uh, like, like learning anti Tisha B'Av is only for the Hamon Am, that they're allowed to read Kinot and read uh, Iov and all this. And for the Chachamim, they have to sit and not say anything. And they're not, they don't do Shela Shalom, and they don't do this, they don't do any of those things. And according to Rabbeinu Utam, no, everybody can learn the, uh, all the rules are the same for everybody, according to Rabbeinu Utam. Nobody's allowed to do Shela Shalom, Nobody's allowed to do any of the socializing, and anybody can learn. And so the question is, what's the, what's really the the point? Rabbeinu Tam is saying a person should act as if they are the same level as the as what they're supposed to be. In other words, for the Talmidei Chachamim, they don't have the energy, they don't have the inclination to learn on Tisha They're too mortified by the uh, by the destruction, and therefore they act like Avilim. But that's only according to the Rambam. That's only for a person who really feels it. You can't, you know, you can't fake it. According to the Ibn Roudam, he say, no, no. Everyone should do like what the Chachamim do, because you should do what you should feel, not what you do feel, right? So I think this is in general a uh, a, a question that that comes up in a lot of areas of, of Tawah, which is to what extent um, should a person base their religious development or their religious uh, um, expression? On where they really stand in their uh, in their personal process of growth right now, and to what extent should they fake it till they make it type of situation where they um, where they act in in a way that chachamim would act even though it's not something consistent with where they stand right now, and, and it's it's similar you know what uh, uh, the, the 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 gemara talks about uh, not saying kriyat uh, shema for a chatan, uh, Right, the night of the uh, the first night of the wedding, don't say kriat shema. That's uh, the Mishnah says, right? And it and it talks about there how um, how uh, uh, you know that uh, that the question was what about nowadays? You know that uh, the the chatan can't say shema because he's so worried about the mitzvah of uh, uh, consummating the marriage, he can't concentrate. Right, but then but certain chachamim uh, had a, you know said no. I uh, they read the uh, they, they read the, uh, the Kriyat Shema on the first night uh, of the wedding and they, you know, and so the so the, the the question is today, today everybody, every Chatan prays Arvid on the night of the wedding, right? And we say the opposite. We say, if you don't say Kriyat Shema on the night of the wedding, you're pretending to be on such a high level of Kavanah that normally your Kriyat Shema is on such a high level of Kavanah that because of your wedding, you can't focus on that level. So you're you're leaving it out. It's like a, you're faking everybody out, right? In, it, meaning if a person really has such a high level of Kavanah that it would be impeded by that. So, okay, but you're pretending that you have said that normally my Kavanah is so high that, you know, now I, uh, I, I, uh, I'm not able to achieve it. So I'd better omit the Kriyat Shema. It's like, who are you trying to fool? Like, you, 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 nobody's gonna fall for that. So the, the question is, again, should you do what is the, uh, what is genuine or should you do what is, um, what is, uh, what is the ideal? And I think, in generally speaking, the Rambam in particular is an advocate for doing for operating at the level where you are, because you also see, like for instance, my favorite example of this is where he talks about tzitzit, and he says a person should always wear tzitzit during the tefillah, right? So the. uh, so the Ibn Ezra actually on the Chumash says, some chachamim say you should only wear, that you should wear the talit during the tfilah, but it's the opposite. Because the purpose of the talit is to remind you not to sin. People are not sinning during the tefillah, they're sinning after the tfilah. Right? So really they should, uh, really they should be uh, uh, wearing the tzitzit every other time besides the tfilah, not during the tefillah. So why does the Rambam say otherwise? So I think the reason why the Rambam says the opposite is because he's saying, be realistic. Right, like he says in the morning, and also. Be realistic. You wear tzitzit when you're when you're praying because you want to get the most out of the experience of tzfilah. Okay, the most focused during the experience of tzfilah. Don't think you're gonna be one of these guys that walks around like David amelech You're not gonna be. You're not on the level of that. Maybe one day you will be, but be realistic. Make the moments that are actually spiritual count. And then you, you you branch out from there. Don't pretend to be on the level of Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai right now. And I think that that's going to trickle down to it become your reality, because that's not how it works. That's why he says in the of which is written to his top, top, top students. He said, my advice, I've told you this guy's a million times. Let's all do this. But, I, it, but it's always worth repeating. He says to him, just pay attention when you say the Amidah, not only to the first bracha, to the whole thing, and pay attention during the Torah and the Haftarah. For several years, you should do that. Then, you know, start branching out to paying more attention during the that, He's giving, like, what sounds like basic musar of, a, of, a, of a, a, a elementary school, right, to his most advanced student. Okay. Right? He's telling him, pay attention when you're saying, He's saying, don't try to be Avraham Avinu—that everything that you do, every moment is going to be kedusha you know, all that. Just be a person who, when you're in the moment of doing avodat Hashem, give it 100% of your concentration. That's our level of perfection, he says. The avot, maybe Moshe Rabbeinu, they were on the level that even when they were doing practical things, their mind was totally involved in Kidushan, totally involved in avodat Hashem. That's what made them special. It's like, but us. Even other Nevi'imi said, we're not on that level. So we are not going to be on that level. So being realistic is, is more the theme. And in general, I think, and maybe this is stretching too far, but in general, Rabbi Oshua and Rabbi Eliezer, my impression is that that's a theme in a lot of their um, opinions throughout Shas also. I don't want to make such a bold statement, but I it, but it, it, it appears to me to be the case. that Rabbi Eliezer in general is an ide- sort of an idealist and sort of a... Uh, has a kind of idyllic and, um, and uh, uh, grand view and expects a person to operate on a level maybe that's beyond where they are and, if, and, and, and just demands of them that they pull themselves up by their bootstraps as they say, as opposed to Rabbi Yoshua who typically says you operate from the framework where you are now and that's how you develop and build up your uh, your, your connection to God and your understanding of God. And um, it seems to be a theme in, in, in a lot of uh, a lot of their positions throughout the Chass. I'm not 100 percent sure, but it seems that way. Now it's hard because you know we only have we only have like isolated uh, opinions of different Chachamim. So to try to uh, to try to tie them together into a theme is sometimes hard. That's something that like, actually the, uh, the 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 uh, like the uh, some certain Chachamim like the Raga and, uh, and and and. Uh, and uh, the, the Lubavitcher Rebbe did a lot of work on that, trying to show the connections between the opinions of Tanaim in different areas and how, uh, especially in Safnat in Paneach, which is the sefer of the, of the um, who was actually a, originally a Chabadnik, but he was like a very, very Rambam uh, uh, thinker and so very hard thinker to follow because he wrote, he was not very helpful with his uh, writing. But what he does is, he, he he was deeply rooted in the philosophical ideas of the Rambam also, and he will show that oh this idea of a tana over here and this idea and this idea are based on a certain philosophical concept that that tana is uh, you know with seen in, in as applying in various different contexts. So he's very interesting in that way. Could be about Rabbi Eliezer, but that's that's what I think is the the core of the the point here. Um, that, that seems to me. Um, so the, so the Gemara goes on and uh, first tries to deal with a more basic problem, more basic problem, right? The Gemara loves to start with uh, questions like this, right? What What is the point of departure of the Mishnah? Because the point of the, the Mishnah is starting with a question out of left field, which is, from when should you start mentioning Mashivah As if we were in a conversation about mentioning Mashivah and the Mishnah wanted to clarify when you should do but That it's the beginning of the of the Masechet. So it, the Gemara asked the same thing in the beginning of Bachot. From when should you say the Shema? Who was talking about saying the Shema? All of a sudden, we're in the middle of a conversation about when you should do it. Um, so the Gemara says that that the Tanazov is, is basing himself there actually in Masachet Bachot the Katane Maskirin Vrod Geshamim bit Kyata Meteen Viv Katashanim Vavda Labuchoninad because it says um in Maseket uh, uh Rosh Hashanah. actually, I think, right? Where is it? No, no, it's in Bachot, no. Yeah, it's in Masachat Bachot. Um it says that uh, that you mention Gvrod Geshamim you mentioned the mashivah in the blessing of Mechayem etim and you ask for rain in birkat Shanim, and you mention Havdalan, Adat. that's a, that's in uh, in bachot and uh, in the in the fourth paragraph of bachot so the um, the question is so the gemara is suggesting that really our gemara which is Masechet anit is somehow Throwing back to that Mishnah, that that Mishnah mentioned that you should men- that you should say geshem in the Amidah, and this Mishnah in Masechet Tanit is now clarifying when you should start doing it. Now that's a little bit of a difficult claim to make because Masechet B'chod is like a million Masechetot before this. This is already like uh, most of the way through Seder Moed. Masechet B'chod is in the beginning of Seder Israel. Why would our Mishnah all of a sudden be engaging with a Mishnah? There was many, many, many Masachatot earlier. Why would you even think that? Okay, it's a very strange claim to make. In fact, even the Gemara says, so it says, why doesn't it mention it over there? Right, it says, why did it leave it until now? Why doesn't this discussion be had in masachet Pachot then? Okay, there's an idea behind this though. Okay? As much as the Rambam discourages us from getting too caught up in the back and forth of the Gemara, there's an idea behind this. Why is the Gemara's first go-to to say that this Mishnah is a clarification of a Mishnah and Bachot? What is really the issue? What's really the issue that's bothering the Gemara? It's not just a matter of timing or placement. Okay? The Gemara does care about really technical things sometimes, but that's not the only thing here. There's a more fundamental question here, in terms of understanding mashiva because is mashiva is the mentioning of mashiva a halacha that is properly classified as a halacha of hilchot that's that's what you would think, right? If if you want to know when, to, if you want to look up the halachot of mashiva uchamoy degeshem you're going to probably look up in Orachayim, under the halachot of uh, hilchot Tfila, or in the Rambam Sefer Ava, in hilchot Tfila, you're going to look up the rules of mashivah Ochmoy moidah So really, any discussion of mashivah Ochmoy should properly be had in the context of hilchot Tfila. It makes perfect sense, actually. In other words, is this issue of mashivah Ochmoy moidah geshem really a din of hilchot Tfila? So what is it doing in Masechet Ta'anit? Right. But that's it. If you look at you have to understand that when the Gemara is making these moves, it's making these moves with like a lot of thought behind it. It's not like a bunch of guys just sat around like us and we're just shooting the breeze here, you know, and making up stuff as we go along. It's not like me. Right. It's uh, they they were they gave thought to this and, and it took hundreds of years before they wrote it down. So they had time to weed out all the stuff that was uh, off the cuff. Most of the stuff. But the uh, uh, there might be some that still stu- still snuck in, but they, mo- most of it. So the the point I is that, that, huh?
2: Examples of have stuck
0: in. I I think that sometimes oh. the Gemara lets us in on uh, some of the uh, off the cuff or uh, silly things that the Chachamim said, but I think they do that on purpose because uh, they want you to see that they're not superhuman. A, a perfectly edited a perfectly edited Gemara would be no uh, would not be human interaction. They. They, they, they'll show you. I mean, I find it fascinating. I was just teaching it the other day in one of the seminaries in Yerushalayim, the Gemara, where, you know, this rabbi gets angry at that one. You know, the rabbi gets insulted. He didn't come to the Shi'or. I was in the Ikpad. He got, he got insulted. Or why did he, you know, why did he go to the other teacher? He didn't come here. Or, this, or you know, they're, 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 they, it talks about the emotional and the psychological and the sensitivities of the Chachamim to show you like they're normal human beings. Or sometimes a, a rabbi will say something and be like he was it was totally nonsense what he said. Right? Or or uh, or was he sleeping when he said, you know, there's a famous Gemara, was he sleeping when he uh, when he said that's so why he must have been sleeping? You know, things like that. So it's 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 okay to uh they want. Look, there's two things. Sometimes the Gemara will expose you to the process of thought. Like Rabbeinu Tam says in Sefer Yashar. actually. Sometimes the, the, the Chachamim will expose you to the process of thought in the Gemara, even though they know what the answer is. And there's lots of literature to demonstrate, lots of articles to show that the way the Gemara is edited is on purpose. A lot of times the statements that are brought are not in chronological order. The Chachamim that speak are not in chronological order because the Gemara knew already what the answer was. It was edited afterwards. It's not like the person sat down and wrote the Gemara Baal pen and was developing as he wrote it down. He knew what the discussion was. So the sugyot are structured to lead to the conclusion. Okay? At one time, that was considered a big chidush to discover that. Now I think it's pretty much a known thing um, that the that the Gemara is is structured, because originally the people who who talked about this stuff were like the academic Talmud people that were very controversial, people didn't like it, but like, it's a fact. I mean, you could see the way they make a lot of convincing cases out of it. They show that the Gemara shows you the process of thought to lead to a certain goal that they know they're gonna get to it, okay? That's one type of showing mistakes, meaning they already knew they were gonna reject the suggestion that Masachet Tani was talking about Masachet Bachot, but they wanted you to see that because they wanted you to know that idea was thought of wasn't the idea, you know, that, and, and, and that's important. Sometimes they show you when the chachamim say stuff off the cuff just to tell you that, you know what, even great chachamim sometimes say stuff off the cuff and uh, it's okay, and, and, and you shouldn't be afraid to say something be wrong, and you shouldn't be afraid if you have me- feelings that you get insulted by somebody because even, uh, even the greatest chachamim got offended and they got insulted and they had sensitivities and it's okay, and what made them great was that they didn't let that define their life. It wasn't that they didn't have it, right? It, 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 because, it, because a person goes and says, well, I have a feeling of jealousy. I have a feeling of, uh, I was insulted. I have an ego. I have this, I have that. And they say, well, I can never be great. What do you mean? These people were the greatest people. They had all those feelings. And uh, and the, what made them great wasn't that they didn't have the feeling. It was that they knew how to manage it and it wasn't the defining force of their life. That's, that's, that's what makes them great. So in any case, the, so what's the, the first suggestion of the Gemah is that really this must, this Mishnah is properly located, it should have been located in Masachet Bachot, Because really what it is, is a halachav tefillah. When do you start mentioning a certain thing in the tefillah? Belongs in Masachet Bachot. That doesn't belong in Masachet Tanit. Correct? Makes perfect sense. But the Gemara says the problem is that can't be the intention of the Tanah of Rabbeinua Kadosh in writing this Mishnah, because there's no way that he would have written it 15 Masechtot or whatever it is, 20 masechetot later, a clarification of a Mishnah all the way back in the beginning. It's not possible. Okay? So uh, so therefore what? So the Gemara says, makes a little bit more sense since Rosh Hashanah is right before, uh, you know, uh, is, is right before Masechet more or less, closer to it. Right? Amar Yochan. which is, uh, um, uh, where is it? Oh, right. It's It says in the Mishnah nidonin alamaim, because it said in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, when it was talking about the different times of judgment in the Jewish year that on Sukkot we're judged for water. And since it mentioned that on the holiday of Sukkot we are judged for rain, it therefore said, when do we mention rain in the Tefillah? That is a bizarre answer. What kind of an answer is that? That doesn't even make any sense, does it? It just me. I think one of the things that you need to learn to do is think like a simpleton when you're reading the Gemara. Because if you think too sophisticated, you won't ask the question that are obvious questions. But it just didn't make any sense. What do you mean? No, because Rosh Hashanah is right before Masechet Tanit in the order. Oh. So they're saying, oh, because so therefore it's in the next Masechet. But there's but but that but because you're judged for rain, so therefore when do you mention Mashiach HaMari Geshem in the tefillah? What does that have to do with anything? Right. The, 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 you know, it's like uh, it's it, 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 what?
1: Can you clarify what the question
0: is? That right now? Why, because... I... Why is it not a good answer? Because it, because they're trying, meaning the first, the Hava Amina, the first suggestion was more, was more compelling. Because the first suggestion was that uh Baruch De Geshem is a Halachav Tefillah. Right? Halachav Tefillah belongs in Masechet Bachot. The only problem is it's a little bit of a distance to jump from Masechet Bachot to Masechet Ta'ani. Okay, so let's look for a connection between Mashiva Baruch Hu and De uh, Geshem and uh, something closer. Okay, well, in Rosh Hashanah, it mentions rain because on Sukkot, you're judged for the rain. Okay, what does it have to do with Mashiach Vohomoyed HaGeshen? In the Mishnayot, it is, though. It's like, like in the, for like if you want to know what the order of the older Mishnayot was, the Daph follows it. That's why the Daph doesn't seem to follow the logical order of the, like, if you look at a Shas, it's not the order of the Daph at all. The Daf Yomi goes from uh, Rosh Hashanah into, uh, into Ta'anit. Yeah. So, like, because that's older Mishnah order. So it, they're right about that, that proximity wise, but what does it have to do with the judgment of the rain that I'm saying, degeshem. that's a totally random thing. So, because I mentioned rain, that I'm judged on the rain and Sukkot, I'm going to start asking a of tf- it's still a halachav filah. It's still just a halachab tefillah. So how does that make how does that make it any better that uh, that I that I I have a random association from uh, I'm judged for rain on on, on Sukkot to Mashiv uh, Ochomar the Geshem and the timing of Mashiva Ochomar the Geshem which really has nothing to do with uh, Sukkot directly would seem to have nothing to do with Sukkot and would seem to have nothing to do with uh, you know and 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 the and the idea that we're judged. For rain on on uh, Sukkot doesn't seem to have anything to do with a halachab tefillah that is a uh, half the year. It's not. It has nothing to do with the uh, with the mashivochemar degeshem. So what's the w- so what do you see from here? In other words, the assumption is, and the reason why I'm using this example is to show you. The reason why I'm pushing hard on this is to show you. If you look at the geshem isolated, it's a halachab tefillah. And that's exactly what the Gemara was originally assuming. And if it's just a tfila, like any other halakha, oh, if you forget this, you have to go back. If you include this or you don't include, you have to go there. Then it doesn't make any sense to connect that to Sukkot, to connect that to Masechet Rosh Hashanah, to connect that to anything other than all the other Hilchot filah. doesn't make any sense. But if mashiva Baruch Hu is actually related to the Chag HaSukot in some way, which was the what, what we were suggesting before earlier, right? If it's actually related to Chag HaSukot in some way, so then that opens up a whole new idea. In other words, I would see, I would say that what the Gemara is suggesting is not just that there was a random association. Oh, in Masachet Hashanah towards the end, it talked about being judged by rain. Now we're talking about when should we mention rain? That's like. Uh, a totally, totally random uh, association, right? But if you say that the mention of rain on Sukkot is somehow a component of Chag Sukkot, that there is in Chag Sukkot an idea of recognizing Hashem's Hashkacha as it's manifest in rain, that's a component part of it, so then it makes sense to say, Mashiva Hu de Geshem is not just an abstract halachav tefillah that exists in the framework of tefillah, but it's actually halakha that pertains to, it's a halakha of sukkot. It's a halakha of sukkot because sukkot is a yom din on Geshem, which means that since sukkot is a time we're being judged on Geshem, what does that mean that it's a time we're being judged on Geshem? It means a time that we need to reflect on the meaning of Geshem, right? Because Hashem doesn't need to set a deadline for himself to take care of things, right? He doesn't have, he doesn't have to do that. We need deadlines. So if there's a day that's a yom hadin for something, that means that we're supposed to be thinking about that. Okay? Do you see what the Gemara is doing? The Gemara is trying to show you that it only seems to you to be unrelated to the uh, uh, to what was just mentioned in the previous masechet because you're not thinking of mashiva uach umori the geshem as a an aspect of the yom hadin element of Sukkot. But really, the yom hadin element of Sukkot, which directly connects to fasting, because if the yom hadin of Sukkot for rain turns out bad, then guess what? In a month from now, you're going to be fasting. You see, so the, so therefore, it's a perfect, actually a perfect connection. The Gemara is making once you understand that beginning to recite Mashiva the Geshem on Sukkot is showing that Sukkot is. A Yom Adin for Geshem That's why it's on Sukkot And not just on any other day And now we can start to also understand Why Rabbi Eliezer was saying No, 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 no It's the time for Geshem That you, we, we need to uh, praise Hashem for the Geshem uh, Even though we don't want it right exactly this week but, but we need to praise him Because because it's something which is a phenomenon That is of value at this time of year And Rabbi Yosher says No, 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 let's wait till uh, the last day of the Chag but both of them agree it needs to be on the Chag, because there's a connection between Sukkot as a time that way. And by the way, what does the Navi Zechariah say is going to happen if to the nations that don't come Chag Sukkot? Do you remember the Haftarah of, uh, one of the Haftarah of, uh, of Sukkot? What does it say in Zechariah? The nations that don't come below Aleihem they're not going to have rain because they didn't come Chag Sukkot. Suddenly, the non Jews have to uh, do Sukkot in Yerushalayim. It means that the, that uh, there is a relation, the idea of recognizing Hashem in the Bria, recognizing Hashem as the provider of the rain and the provider of sustenance to all of his creatures, including us, is a component part of Sukkot. And therefore, Mashiva Wachomoyde Geshem. Introducing Mashiach on Sukkot is not just accidental because you know it's really convenient because everybody is in Kandisan. You know, we should we might as well uh, just let it happen now because it's so confusing with nobody's nobody knows when to start. It's the night before, it's the middle of the week. Here we, we have we'll, we'll do it on Sukkot, we'll schedule it so that it's like it's like doing one of the auctions for one of the uh uh for uh for the raffle. We'll do it on a Shabbat when everyone is in uh, is is present. You know, no, that's not the, there, there's a connection, and then you can understand why they made a liturgy of philategeshen it's not just accidentally connected to the to the uh that it fell out that way you see what i'm saying i think it's a major chidush the gemat just shows you by saying nothing just by showing you that the whole that may matay geshamim is referring back don't think it's referring back to bakot, because it's just another din of tefillah. No. It did that on purpose. It might that on purpose. Because you would assume that. That's what a thinking person would assume. A normal person, like what we all would think, right, is that it's a halacha of tefila. No. It's a halacha of sukkot as yom din that you begin re, you begin mashivah and oy vavoy if the yom din of sukkot doesn't go well, because then you're going to have ta'anit. See, that's, and, and and that's the segue from, from Rosh Hashanah to, to ta'anit. Okay, why but ha- ha- like huh? So why is
2: Allah ha- like our Yeshua?
0: Why is it?
2: Yeah, Why is it that Allah ha- is like our Yeshua? So why, why don't we start at the beginning of the story?
0: Well, look, it's it's a it, the truth is the truth is well, at, and and it talks about this on the next Amud that there is an element of an expression. Of geshe of yom Adin and geshem throughout Sukkot, you could give two examples of uh, what those yeah, are. What would be good
2: enough for to What? So he to says that you don't.
0: Uh, arti- right. Right, he says don't articulate in the tefillah the idea of Mashiva uochomay the geshem as a good at a time that you don't really mean it. But what do we do? We do Mnisuch in the bet HaMikdash where they pour water on the altar during the thing. That's also for yom Adin of of. Uh, of uh, of geshem um we also say that that lulav and etrog or the arbata minim muratsim alamayim why because oh they, they need water in order to be uh in order to be able to thrive so we say that the that the arbata uh, the minim are also muratsim alamayim the muratsim algeshem right so so there is a a theme of geshem throughout sukkot and i think people make, maybe miss this element and that we just think of Mashiva Wahmuid degeshem. That's like a it just it happens to be that you know the day that we start saying Mashiva Whoa the it falls out on uh Shminyaterat. No, it's not, obviously. There's a direct, there's as soon as we stop doing the mitzvot that are Muatsin alamayim, um, that relate to uh, acknowledging our dependence on rain on Sukkot, we say Mashiva degeshem. Because the the Nisuch is all seven days of the Chag, and we start on the seventh, on the eighth, and and Arbata uh, Minim uh, is all seven days of the Chag. I mean, not Shabbat, but basically, essentially, the mitzvah exists on all seven days, and then we and then we start saying as soon as we put away the lulav and etrog. And the Gemara talks about that on the next Amud, actually. Okay, but the, the, I think this is a, this idea was like new to me. It's like uh, an idea that that I saw and really like changed the way I looked at it because. You don't think of it that way. We don't think of it that way—that it's actually a component part. And Ariel had uh, had the intuition from the beginning because he was saying that there's a connection uh, between the idea of theme of Sukkot and the and the theme of Geshem, and there is. But you see that it, it's woven through the entire holiday. This
1: also applies for a lot of, for, for, um, for Sukkot, specifically. Uh, that's where we give the Quran for all the E. Right. It's really it's really Geshem. It's the really material. Blessing of the mm-hmm. world. The world.
0: It's pretty, well, yeah, I mean, because the idea is that uh, Sukkot is after Yom Kippur, when really, what is Yom Kippur really? What is, what is Rosh Yom Kippur? Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is the Jewish people return to their mission as Mamnechit Kohanim Begoi Kadosh. And the first thing that they need to do is be ambassadors to Umot Ulam. Why, why right after? Why right after you have Yom Kippur do you start saying Hoshana 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 with Sukkot? Hoshana? We just had the forty days of slichot. Give me a break of Hoshana. What am I asking for now? I'm already in trouble already. The three days later, I'm already crying out to Hoshana for everything. Anna, Hoshana. What's what's going on? The answer is that Hoshana is for the entire world. It's for how, the ultimate Gula. That's not just. The Jewish people are redeemed on Yom Kippur. It's, the, if you read the if you read the beautiful tefilot of the Hoshanot, actually, a lot of them are very beautiful, and it meant we, set, we tend to read them fast. But if you, there's a beauty to it, and it talks about how we are redeemed on Yom Kippur, and then uh, once and that redemption means that we return to our our purpose. But then the world needs redemption, and so what is it? That's why we use the name Aniva Vahu hoshiana. What is weird names of God that all of a sudden we all became Mekubalim, Anivahu Hoshiana. But it's, it's in the Mishnah. It's in the Mishnah, Anivahu Hoshiana. What does the Rambam say? The Rambam is the only one who really explains it based on Pshat. Everybody explains it on a Gematria or something. Anivahu he says means it's from the Pasuk in Hazinu that talks about the ultimate redemption. He says, you and he, where it says, Ki Ani Anihu. Because Hashem says ani, meaning that when I'm finally when I when I bring all of the nations to justice and I redeem the Jewish people at the end of days, because Hazinu talks about all the suffering we're going to go through, eventually the redemption, you will know ki ani anihu. He says that's ani vahu, meaning I'm the only one. I'm ani and I'm who. There's no whatever you thought was who is really ani. Whatever you thought was ani, meaning it's all one. Meaning the whole plan was in the hands of Akadosh Baruch hu. That's the idea of ani vahu Hoshiana. That the ultimate, the name of the ultimate redemption, he says. So that's, and I think that's really sukkot. So if you think about it, you're going out of your house into a sukkah, which is visible to everyone. You're, you're joining nature, basically. What does it mean? It means that, the, that normally we don't live in accordance with nature. God created us to be a certain way, live in accordance with Chochmat Hashem. You can't convince a turtle not to live in accordance with the design that God gave it, you can't convince a uh, bacteria to live in a way other. You can't convince a planet to deviate from its uh, path. But but a human being has the ability to live in a in a way that is contrary to the wisdom that he or she is supposed to uh, be following. And so when after Yom Kippur, the idea of Sukkot is that we're establishing a settlement, so to speak, in our sukkah that is ordered in this just like the rest of nature is ordered. Uh, in the direction of Hashem's wisdom, uh, under the direction of Hashem's wisdom, that is really what sukkot, the sukkah represents. That we've reordered our lives in harmony with the uh, with Hashem's wisdom, and that's. I, I wrote an article on it like fifteen years ago. I think a lot of you guys have already read it from the chats and all that about sukkot. So I don't want to belabor it, but that's the idea of sukkah. So when you when so the, and that has to do with the ultimate redemption because now that we are aligned with God's wisdom after after Yom Kippur on Sukkot we're celebrating that we're celebrating that closeness to God now we're in a unique position to bring close all of the umot to the der hashem and that's why the theme on the umot of the of the umot haolam that all of the all of the days of Sukkot are bringing korbanot for the umot olam because that's our job. Our job is to, is olam It's never, uh, we, we always think on Rosh Hashanah when we're talking about Hashem's judgment, that we're talking about whether we're going to, we, what our bank account is going to look like and whether we're going to be healthy this year. All those things are true, but the ultimate uh, thing is melech al kol mekadesh Yisrael v'yom azikaron, that we recognize God as the king of the universe and that our job is to be mekadesh Shem that's the that's the goal of of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur to return to that. So 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 spreading that in the world is part of what Sukkot is about for sure. And what do we share in common with all the nations of the world? We share common dependence on rain. It's not just on the nations of the world. We that is the one thing that we share li, literally with every living thing on the planet. The one thing that we share with every living thing on the planet is the need for rain, because every every plant every animal every human being obviously we all are dependent on rain and that's why the bacha and the gemara actually talks about it in some of the agadot i didn't want to get too far into the agadot yet but when we come to them we will see that it talks about how the geshem is really why do we mention geshem in mechayam Metim? because it, that's basically what it is what does the geshem do it brings organic the seed goes in the ground and it dies in there but it, it disintegrates in the ground and the rain comes and rejuvenates it, brings it back to life. The rain is like a tchiata and that's the uh, so the 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 rain is what facilitates the emergence of the seasons. Basically, that everything that dies. The rain comes and and between the rain and then eventually the warming up of the temperatures, it it, it brings forth the uh, the beauty of everything that we need. So the the uh, the idea is that we share that with all of the uh, all of the creatures on earth. And um, and as we uh, and Sukkot is the day that we that we in a way recognize our brotherhood with all of humanity because we're recognizing this role that we have to be guides to uh, to humanity. Uh, you know, uh, obviously in a certain sense leaders, but but really to be guides and and and, uh, and sources of uh, inspiration to the rest of humanity. But that this is the reason why. Fits in with Sukkot, so it's not accidental, as we would say. And when I'm saying accidental, I don't mean by accident. Accidental is more of a logical term. It means whether it's of the essence or it's something incidental to the. You, it, it could be that two things coincide. Coinciding means it's incidental that they happen to coincide. I know sometimes Shabbat falls, or Chodesh falls on Shabbat. It's incidental, meaning could happen as a result of just the calendar, no particular plan. Um, but the fact that we start mentioning what Uhumor the geshem and Sukkot is definitely part of the essence of Sukkot and Sukkot as the conclusion of the Mehadin, but also as the prelude to the season of Tanit, if there has to be one, right? If they're gonna have to be Taniot. Okay, so the so that's the, the beauty of how the Digmara, just by a question of what is the context of the Mishnah come will show you something fundamental that you're missing about what mashivahu Geshem even is what the mentioning of mashivahu Geshem is a part it's obviously not only related to sukkot because you continue saying it afterwards but the fact that you initiate saying mashivahu homidegeshem on sukkot is a part of the theme of sukkot it's not just and it happens to be a function of dilkhotfila and I think that's that's an important idea. You see from the connection connections was making. See, does that make sense? Okay. 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 All right. So so that's the that's the first point on this. Now, if you turn to the next amud, I know I had said to do more, but it might take us a field a little bit. Let let's let's look at let's first look at the next demo because I just want to show you what I was talking about. Um, <coughs> on the next amud, a one, two, three, four, five, six seven lines down from the top, where it says, Now, um, you'll see a, a, a vindication of what, what I was just saying before. And I actually didn't even think of it really until now, because I don't think I included this part in the sources, that. I, but now I thought of it. So it says, Where did Rabbi Eliezer get the idea that you should start mentioning on the first day of Sukkot? Was it because of Lulav or because of Nisukhamayim? What do you mean, Lulav Nisukhamayim? Right? In other words, without what we just said before a minute ago, this would make absolutely no sense because you just say, why do you need to mention, why does it need to be connected to the Lulav and the Nisukhamayim? Just say, this is the beginning of the rainy season. What You have to mention, that was enough of a convincing argument. Why do you have to bring me Nisukhamayim, the water libation of the Betta Mikdash, and the Lulav, it has nothing to do with it right so so without the idea that we just mentioned maybe I, we ruined it by developing the idea too much but like now that you look in this and you're like that actually makes sense right before it didn't really it wouldn't have made any sense why why, why would you have to have that right so so he says okay um so if, so the question is right melulav gmar lamal ulav bayom af hazkara bayom or dilma min niskhamayim gmar la ma niskhamayim meurta so this is sort of a side point niskhim this is a thing of kodashim but uh, basically niskhim can be brought at night meaning a nesek. whatever the translation that you do so yeah yeah so he's saying, does he learn does he learn, from Lulav, the timing of Lulav, or from the timing of Nisuch HaMaiim? Nisuch is the pouring of the water libation that was in addition to the regular wine libations and so on, that they poured on the altar only during Sukkot. And it was Halakha Moshe right? right? There's not written in the Torah anywhere. It's hinted at in the Torah, actually. It's one of the few places where the Gemara uses Torah codes. Because it uses like the Mem, the extra Mem, the extra Yud, the extra Mem, to make the Maim. It's actually kind of... Uh, Interesting because it works out, but um, but the um, but it's a uh, generally speaking, we don't find those kinds of so much. But it's an interesting drashot, But the, it's a So the tzadokim, like the anti-rabbinic Jews, did not accept the Hamayim, and they they protested against it and ruined it. Tried to ruin it. There's a famous story. Then the gemara in Masechet Zuka also found in Josephus that one time the kohen was a tzadoki and he poured it on his feet, and so they. Threw all, everyone threw their etrog at the uh, Kohen. I don't know if they killed him or they w- wounded him or what, but anyway, the, um, the point of the question is, what did Rabbi Eliezer link the mentioning of Mashivah Wachomoy the Geshem to? Did he link it to Nisuch HaMayim, or did he link it to Lulav? Now, Lulav obviously starts during the day of the first day of Sukkot. Nisuch HaMayim also starts on the first day of Sukkot. The difference is that Nisuch HaMayim can also be brought at night. Why? Because in general, libations of korbanot, sacrifices can only be brought during the day, but extra stuff that goes along with the sacrifices could be brought at night. So actually, Rashi says that um, Shem, you can bring the nesachim Okay, Now, it tur- it, you should be aware, sa- side point, the Rashi on Masechet Tanit is not Rashi. Um, it's pretty well known, I think, that that's the case. Uh it's somebody else. I don't know who, but uh, it isn't actually Rashi. If you read the Rashi and you have a sense for how Rashi talks, you would easily be able to see that it's not Rashi. But if you, it's it's a pretty well accepted, even even in yeshivish circles, that it's not really Rashi. It's not really that controversial to say. Um, but uh, so you just have to be, you know, more more maybe uh, skeptical of what it says. So the. Um, the thing is that uh, the question would be whether the um, whether the, the the saying of Mashiva Wuchmu'id the Geshim should begin at night or during the day. Because if you're going by Nisuch Hamayim, that could be brought even at night, so then Mashiva Wuhmoid Geshim could start even at night. If it's going by the Lulav, then it would start during the day. Right, whether he means the night of the meaning the second night, which or the first night is uh, debatable. But that's not even the point. The point is that the Gemara is trying to link Rabbi Eliezer's halacha of saying Masivah Uchamoy to random things that have nothing to do with tefillah at all. Either the lulav or the or the in the Beit Hamikdash. The There's nothing to do with anything. Right now, according to what we explained, we can understand why. Because once you realize that beginning to say is actually an aspect of the Sukkot. It's not just something that's happening on Sukkot. It's an aspect of Sukkot. So now you realize that it makes sense that it would be coordinated with either the Lulav or with the Nisukhamayim. Okay? Now, um, and, that's, and then it goes on to say that uh, and then there's an interlude here where it says more the master said min balayla, karami urta. that just like uh, uh, n- uh that just like libations can be brought at night, so Arucham, could also be at night. Tashima, come and listen. Rabbi Abau, lo Rabbi Eliezer okay, that's it. So you learned it from Lulav. That's why we start on the, according to him. We would start on the first day of Sukkot saying, the some say, some say it was just a tradition that he had from his teacher that that was the case. Some say it was a bright, what's the bright? And this, I think I had in the source sheet, It says in the bright as follows. Right. from when do you start to mention Rabbi Eliezer says, from the time that you pick up the lulav, meaning the first day of Sukkot. Rabbi Omer, from the time that you put it down. Now, if you didn't have the idea that we just talked about in the first amud, this brayta would make absolutely no. Would be the most random braita connecting mashiva de degeshem to something completely arbitrary, basically when you're starting the mitzvah lulav, when you're ending the mitzvah lulav. But once you understand what we are explaining, so now it actually makes sense. That it's connected. In other words, is it, com- is it basically a complement to the Lulav, netilat Lulav? Rabbi Eliezer is saying, just like the Lulav is symbolically representative of our dependent on rain, Mashiva Geshem is expressing that the creation is dependent upon rain. Even if right now we don't want it, we're expressing that Shevach to Hashem that He provides the rain. Rabbi Yoshua says, no, as soon as we're done with the Lulav and Etrog, then we're going to express it because then it becomes beneficial to us right and and but but the fact that it's coordinated in other words the way that we express our dependence upon rain is non-verbal during sukkot and becomes verbal on shmin Atzeret, according to rabbi yoshua right it's a it, it, it fits very nicely now so so then he says okay um and now look at this look at this i'm rabbi because these arbataminim the are coming to ask God for the rain, meaning to praise God for rain, to recognize our dependence on rain. We're not artic- we're not asking for it directly, but recognize independence. Just like these four species can't exist without water, the world can't exist without water. So he's saying implicit in the arbataminim. minim is the idea that the creation is dependent upon rain. And that's exactly what we are expressing in not about our personal need or dislike or uh, interest in rain at this moment, but the fact that the world can't exist without rain. That's what the are expressing. That's what we're expressing in the But on Sukkot itself, Isn't it true that rain is a Rain is a bad thing. We don't want rain. Even I didn't say to ask, just to mention it. Just like you can mention the resuscitation of the dead, Right, all year round, and it's only going to happen at the right time. Same thing with rain. It's not my job to tell God when to bring the rain. I'm just saying that God brings the rain, and we're dependent on it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying to bring it right now. Okay. Hey, that's a little, joke. It's a little joke
2: you say, right? What? Can you say a little joke here? Just like I think he's you think you know, I'm not asking <laughs> die. Um, just yeah.
0: Well, he's going to answer him. He says he's going to answer him, though. Um, it, 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 later on, it's going to say, What would he answer to that? Right? Um, because if you look at the, uh, if you look a little bit further down, look at past the one dot. Okay? It says, Shapirka Kamade Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi Eliezer's answer to Rabbi Yoshua is very good. Amala Rabbi Yoshua. Bishla matriata meti maskir de kule yoma zimneu. Elagishamim kol emat de atyan zimnaiuhi. It's true that it's only going to come once, but whenever it comes, it's going to be welcome. Rain is not always welcome. You can't compare the two. Okay? So you can mention every day because any day that it happens will be like, wow, that's pretty cool. We're happy with that. But rain is not always like that. Rain sometimes you don't want it. So again, what's beautiful here, as far as I could see, is that both Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi Eliezer Recognize obviously this this fundamental concept that uh, that uh, Sukkot is a Yom Din for Geshem, and everybody recognizes that the Arba'at Minim, the Mitzvot techag, the Mitzvot of Arba Minim, and the Mitzvah of Nisuch Ha-maim are meant to re- represent in part our being members of the order of creation and our dependence on rain. The question is whether in Tfilah we should be using that theme as a shevach in our tefillah from the beginning of Sukkot, or whether we should wait until it's no longer something undesirable to us before we articulate it in our tefillah. Even though we're showing it through our actions, nisuch is Liratot alamaim. It's in order to praise God for the rain and make us worthy of the rain. L'ratot means, what does the ratzot mean? It means like from the beginning of Vayikram, um, when it talks about korbanot, in the beginning of the Sefer of right? it says, means it makes you favorable in the eyes of God. What makes us favorable? Meaning to say, when we praise God for something and we appreciate it and we recognize it comes from God, that makes us more worthy of receiving it. That's what it means. We understand something is coming from God and it has a purpose in God's plan. Then we, we're more worthy of receiving it. So the idea is, so, when it comes to Minim and the Nisuch it's meaning it raises our awareness of our dependence upon rain and upon God's beneficence in terms of rain. But Filah has to always be, according to Rabbi Yoshua, when you praise God verbally, it has to be using things that you want presently. It can't be using things that currently would be negative for you, right? That's the machloket between them. In fila, can you praise God with something that currently is something that would uh, that you don't view as a good because of your framework. In your framework, you don't view it as a good. See, But they all agree on this idea that even according to Rabbi Yoshua, there's a connection between mentioning Mashiach and, su- and Sukkot because as soon as you're done, Mishat Nachato, as soon as you're done with the Lulav, he wants you to mention it. He doesn't just say on the eighth day of Sukkot when there's no Sukkah, on the Shminyatera. He says mishata nachato, which means like right after you're done with the mitzvah, that's when you start mentioning or the geshem. There's still a connection between the two. It's like when the Torah says Mahuata shabbat for counting the omer. Why is it mimachuata shabbat? Why does it just say on the second day of the holiday? Why say machuata shabbat? Meaning right after the first day of the holiday is over, you start counting omer. Right, that's the idea. Right, it's a function of the end of the first day. It's not its own day. It's a function of the end of the first day. So it's saying the same thing here. It's a function of the end of sukkot or the end of mitzvot Lulav and mitzvot Sukkah that you start saying the That's what he's saying. It's a beautiful, it's it, 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 or it turns out to be a beautiful, clear understanding of what Geshem is doing. Okay. And what what's going on on Hagasukhot. The only question becomes when do we incorporate that into the into the um, uh, the uh, the the praises of our tefillah. That's the only question. In tandem with the mitzvah of sukkah or after them. That's all. So it's it's, it's it, I think it's a beautiful example of how one little halakha packs so much you know content. Now I want to show you one more example that really for me um, I think would 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 seal this point if it hasn't already convinced you. I always was perplexed. And I'm telling you, like, this is something that just recently, we just recently did in Dafyomi, uh, Ta'anit, and certain things clicked in my mind. I mean, when I was looking at it, um, not as much as now that I'm talking it out with you because I don't have anyone to talk it out with except the, my own head. So it's much clearer when I talk to you than in my head. But in the, in, in, in look at Dav Dalid Amud Bet at the bottom. Okay, Dav Dalid Amud Bet, the last four lines. Unfortunately, this is written from the perspective of a Babylonian, so I I read it with with misgivings because it's talking about yom tov sheni shel galuyot. I don't have that anymore. (laughs) I'm going to be the most happy on on Pesach, with only one seder, I think. I always had an issue with that. The rest of the Yamim tovim, I didn't mind having two days. But the thing is here, they pray so early and I don't have the same crazy schedule on the Chagim. So one day of Chag actually feels like two. Like even the short Shabbatot feel very long because I go to a very early minyan. Sometimes I speak, sometimes I read, like I do a lot of like appearances at the shuls, like this past Shabbat, I spoke at one of the shuls on Friday night. Uh, sometimes I speak Shabbat morning or I'll speak Shabbat afternoon, like I do stuff, but, um, but the, the tefillah is much more short. So, and early generally. So the day ends up feeling much much longer actually here than uh, than than there. Um, okay, so what?
2: You don't eat lunch at two o'clock.
0: Uh, any what?
2: You don't eat lunch at two o'clock like we do.
0: No, we're having Sudash that to. Uh, one. Yeah. Because we I, we we go to usually I'll go to like Friday night this past Friday night I had to speak in one of the minyanim so I went to a minyan that I don't normally go to there's a nice Sephardic minyan right next to my building I like to go there it's right nearby and I like I like the chevra there's a nice group and uh, and and this Shabbat the Ashkenazim for the for, for months I, I go there to speak actually I teach the American Ashkenazim and i I gave like a couple of drashot like to the community the Shabbat Shuva in Hebrew. But the Americans who speak English, I teach them and like uh, Sunday nights and the and for like and the women have like a Rosh Chodesh, like a Shabbat Mevachim, sure, that is in Hebrew also on Shabbat afternoons, like once a month. But generally, they don't go to their shul ever, but they had no one to read the Torah this week. So I, they asked me, can I read the Torah Ashkenazi for them? So I, so I, was, I, so I went I, I went, but normally I read in the Moroccan shuls and they prefer me to read Moroccan most of the time. They don't, you know, I do. It, it, there are three different shuls I go to. One of them I mix, you will show me in Moroccan because it's more mixed. The other ones are like, they want pure Moroccan. That's like, that's just but the way they Why reading
2: Ashkenazi and the Moroccan shuls?
0: To I did one time because, you know, Rav Goldwicht was here in oh. Karmigat and he went up for an aliyah. So I felt like, you know, and uh, to give him kavod. I did, and they liked it. They didn't mind the, there also, are some Ushalmi guys who don't like that everything's Moroccan, and they keep asking me to do Moroccan. So I'll throw in Aliyah, uh, I'll throw in a ushalmi one, once in a while. But uh, I I tend to get a lot of requests to read every Shabbat, so I just have to take the first come first serve. Otherwise, I end up you know, I end up in trouble. Anyway, but then and then there are weeks I don't have to do anything, which is the best. But um, then I just go to the earliest minyan, and then we come home. We have breakfast at like nine o'clock. Sudash, you know, I learn, finish my parashat, the whatever I'm learning, till mincha uh, 12:30, early mincha, or 12:15, 12:30, and then Lishit, and it's it's nice. All right, so um, so look at this gemara here. Uh, four lines on the bottom. This question again is another example that if you were reading this gemara with none of the sort of ideas that we developed up till now this Gemara would be unintelligible to you. And it was unintelligible to me for many years because they're saying, we have two days of Yom Tov and Chutz Aret. So we have Shemini Yatseret and we have, uh, we have uh, Simchat Torah. We start saying Mashiva HaRoch Humori de Geshem on Shemini That's Simchat Torah. Right? We already started it by Shemini So it says, what do we do? I'm a Rav. Listen to what Rav says to do. M'tchil b'musafim. You should start in Musaf on Shmini Atzeret saying Mashi'vachumar dege'shem. Then b'mincha b'musafit. Why would you do that? Doesn't make any sense, right? He's like start at, at, saying Musaf and Shmini Atzeret Mashi'vachumar dege'shem. Then afternoon of Shmini Atzeret go back to Moridatal arvit of Simchat Torah Moridatal Shacharit of Simchat Torah Moridatal. Musaf of again. Like, why do you have to do that? Weird. Okay. Amaru Shmuel, Shmuel said something less, slightly less bizarre. Puku go tell Abba. Abba was Rav's real name. kodesh, After you made it kodesh, you're gonna make it chol. Meaning, you said that it was Shmini Atzeret today, right? Because you uh, you, you said it Musaf, Masivu Ochomor Degeshim. Now, in the afternoon, uh, mincha, you're going to go back to saying like it's Erev Yom Tov again. Well, how could you do that? You can't do that. Rather, what does he say? Once at Musaf, you already said, you have to also say it at Mincha because otherwise you're saying it's not Shmini anymore. Right? However, then, says Shmuel, but fr- but the night of, Shmi- of Simchat Torah and Shachrit Simchat Torah, you can't say because you have to start over again. Okay, so what are they basing this idea, this this, this, this discussion? Okay, would make absolutely no sense whatsoever if all that Shminya is is a deadline point where you have to start saying because once you start saying it, why should you stop and start again? It has nothing to do with the kedushav the Yom Tov. It has nothing to do with whether it's really the Yom Tov. What are they bothered by? They're bothered by this. shmini you said it at Musa. But now you have a second day of shmini Yatzeret. So how can you not start Mashiva Uacham or the Geshev on the second day of shmini Yatzeret? It has to be treated fully like shmini if you come into it already saying, you're basically saying it isn't really anymore. Because you already started from yesterday saying, so you have to start over again. Either according to Rav, even Mincha of you have to stop because it's Erev Yom Tov of Yom Tov Sheni, so to speak, and you're going into the new Yom Tov, or even according to Shmuel, Arvit of Simchatoa, Shachrit, you have to do a redo. You have to do a redo on the second day. Of, of starting the Geshem all over again. Do you understand what they're saying? Why they're saying that? Okay, that makes no sense if you assume that all Shmini Yatzeret is is a day on the calendar when you have to start saying Masivah the Geshem. So who cares if I if I it, it, what does that have to do with which day is the real Yom Tov? It has nothing to do with that. You know, you started it already, so you know nobody says, "Wait a second, you counted the Omer on uh, the on the second night of Pesach, uh, but because of Safek Yom, you the, the, you you better start over again on the second Nobody says that. You don't have to start the counting over again on the second night or third night, right? It, it, why would you have to start over unless you say that the idea of shemini, of starting Mashiva Geshim? Is a chelek, it's a component of the kiddushat hayom of the holiday, only because it's a component of the kiddushat hayom of the holiday as a day, which is a yom hadin on rain. Does it make sense that you need to replicate both both on the first day and on the second day, starting mashiva uachol moridagishin? It only makes sense according to that assumption. Otherwise, what are they doing? Why would you Why would you do that? Why would you start it twice? Why would you stop, start again? doesn't make any sense. Unless you say it's a component of the holiday, do that. Now, it happens to be that's not the halacha anyway. Because kevan shuv, Once you start, you don't stop. Okay? I They both think that you have to start at Nisaf time. That's the time when we... That's why we're proclaiming that now we're
2: going to focus on this. Right, so generally...
0: That's, that's, a, that's a discussion that actually, the, that I think I put on the sheets. The riff takes that up, that issue uh, of, uh, of why Musaf? Why Musaf? But you know, generally speaking, just as a general observation, generally speaking, whatever is unique in a holiday always is found in the Musaf. Because for example, uh, Rosh Hashanah, the Rosh Hashanah Shacharit is the same as the Mincha. It's the same as the Arvit. Where is that nine Bachot and the whole uh, thing, the Shofar and everything? It's in the Musaf. When do you find the Avodav Yom Kippur spelled out and all the details? Even though the Avodat Yom Kippurim includes both the Shacharit and the Musaf and everything else, you only read it in the Musaf, right? What is particular to the Chag is always found in the Musaf because when you're because that's the, that fila only exists on a day on a yom kadosh doesn't exist. The first time, so to speak, that
2: you're mentioning
0: the uh he's saying uh, that it's a com that it's an ask it's an element of Shmini atzeret that you begin Mashiva Hmoy the Geshem on the day. It's not if it were just a halachav Shminyatser that you have to start Mashiva Hmoi de Geshem. On a particular date, so once you started, what's the problem, right? Now it happens to be the halacha is once you started, shuvei no posek. I'm a rav sheshet keivan sheitchil shuvei no posek. And even rav retracted. I'm a rav chananel. I'm a rav. Monet esrim v'achad yom kedach she monet asura yami marosh shana yom kipurim u'matchil. They keivan she she itchil shuvei <speaking> no <in> posek. And the <Hebrew> chetah keivan sheitchil shuvei no posek. It says it fifty times, but the point is that once you start saying it, you don't have to go back. Right? I mean, you don't replay it on the second day as a new start. Now, that's not because it's not re- from the fact that Rav and Shmuel even thought that you would do that, you could see that our, our understanding that Mashiach is a, that the beginning of Mashiach Geshem is a component of the Kiddusha Yom of Sukkot is right. That's what they were thinking. But the thing is, once you start it to retract and restart on the second day of Yom Tov, it's not necessary to do that to make that point. You did. You made the point of the Yom Tov Rishon, and that's enough. And once you've reached that Yom Tov and you did it, you're good. You fulfilled the idea. You don't have to do another restarting to complete Yom Tov Sheni. But I. But the I, the fact that they thought you would shows you how uh, how much they thought that mentioning Mashivu Chomay Degeishem or starting, I should say, the mention of Mashivu was a part of the holiday. It wasn't just accidentally that it fell out on that day.
1: Okay, how you, Sorry. How do we bridge the gap between saying that it's part of the chat of Sukkot and then that we're saying that I'm Shinina So that's a conclusion we can highlight that the time say that tear, which is not part of the pipe, it's a separate day from the first seven.
0: So how do we bridge that gap in Well, first of all. It's important to realize that Shmini is, to a certain extent, an extension of Sukkot. That's why it's called Shmini Yatzeret. Yeah, yeah
1: but yeah. it's not, it's,
0: it's, it seems to be clearly distinct by the evidence, by the fact that we can't say we can't uh, shake the right. right. And we don't make it Sukkot. It's regular Bufni Yatzmo, it's regular Bufni Yatzmo. That's no question. But, but there is an interesting halachav of Shmini which is that there's a din that you don't have any other holiday that the night of Shmini Yatseret has a, has a mitzvah of simcha. And they used to bring korbanot, shalmei simcha, on Hoshana Rabbah to eat on the night of Shmini just like you would make, bring a korban Pesach, on of Pesach to eat on the night of Pesach, to show that the two Chagim are actually linked. That okay. Shmini is created, in other words, it's true that the Kiddushah of Shmini is different than the Kiddushah of Sukkot, and the theme is different. But the but but is created is generated by Sukkot because Sukkot is a process of reaching a higher and higher level of Simcha. It's a higher and higher level of Simcha that's reached. It's a process of development. That's why you have Hallel every single day of Sukkot, unlike uh, Pesach, where really the only mitzvah Hallel is the first day, right? It's a it's a process of newly emergent higher and higher levels of Simcha that are mitchadesh every day. That's why you have a new halil every single day. And that then generates um, a, a, a holiday of Shmini Atzeret, where you're supposed to take that Simcha from, from Sukkot into the house and celebrate with now the Sukkah and the Lulav that were props that you needed to support the Simcha Lepne Hashem now you take that simchas internalized, so you go into the house and you're able to celebrate without them um, because it became a part of you. This is why I also suggested one time that during the simchat Beta Sho'eva of the bet ha only the chachamim were allowed to participate in the dancing. Okay, that problem that could potentially have made for bad entertainment, but uh, but the idea was that uh, the idea was that the chachamim are showing the people what it means to be sameach lefnei Hashem because they know what it means to be sameach lefnei Hashem in a true way. And the people were only allowed to watch. They weren't allowed to participate. And it talks about in the Gemara Masachet all of the different parlor tricks that the different rabbis could do with their juggling torches and whatever, right? But what do we do today? We don't have a Simchat Beit instead we have Simchat Torah that everyone dances. And my explanation of it that I suggested was, it's my own explanation. I don't know if it's true. I'm just saying something that I thought is that Sukkot was always understood as a process. That we're moving towards a genuine Simcha Lefnei So we're looking at these role models to try to move towards a Simcha Lefnei Hashem, a true Simcha Lefnei Hashem. And Shmini atzeret was always that a person would go home meaning whatever you gained from sukkot you now take that peace that you gained and you go just enjoy it whatever it is it's not a it's not a holiday that has a goal outside of itself it is the goal meaning it's just enjoying what you've accomplished already there's no further goal that's why they use the midrash uses the idea of the king who says to the beloved you know stay with me one more day you know the seven days ran out right the famous midrash Stay with me one more day, stay with me one more day, meaning like it's just to be together with Hashem. There's no purpose, there's no goal, right? So that idea is uh that that's why I suggested that Simchat Torah today, everyone dances because since we moved the dancing to Simchat Torah, which is a celebration of what everyone's Chelek is, right? It's what everyone's Chelek is. The Simchat Beit HaShoiva was, you're looking at people who are truly great and, and wanting to be like them, but you're not there yet. Simchat Torah is you're taking what you've already accomplished and you're enjoying it. So Simchat Torah, we all dance because it's it's something that belongs to everyone. But Shemini Atzeret definitely comes into existence as a result of uh, of, uh, of Sukkot. So therefore, it makes sense that that's why Rabbi Yoshua, when he uses the language, he says, meaning from the end of Sukkot, that's when you start saying it's Tzamud, you know like it's it's connected to uh, uh, to uh, to sh- sukkot and and it's related to it by being right after it just like spirata omer links uh the first day of pesach to to shavuot not by being on the first day of pesach but by being right after it you know so it's a similar concept I just I just okay yeah, I, I I now so it's that the the
1: aspect that we all that is because we we now have internalized from the Simchat let's say, that we saw the community dancing, and now we can take that into our own homes.
0: Right, to our level. We each have a level that we accomplish. And we're also making a siyum on the Kriyat Ha the whole year. Maybe what you understood in the Kriyat Ha the whole year was 10 times more than the guy next to you. But he learned something this year, and he's celebrating what he... What he learned, then he's feeling good about it, uh, and 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 you're feeling good about what you learned. Then you're not looking at the guy, you're not looking at Rabbi Ben Chaim, and saying, "Well, I didn't learn, you know, as much as he did. So what I learned is not as great, and I have to." F-. You're not focusing on anybody else. You're just feeling the satisfaction of uh, of what you learned. And we each have that on Simchat Torah on our own level. For us, it's less than uh, than a great chacham, but uh, but for you know, but we don't have to focus on that on, on Simchat Torah. We can just enjoy. It for what it is, you know, and and not worry about that it's not as good as uh, somebody else, you know. So the, the other the other thing, in that I wanted to show you was um, a very interesting uh, where where it explains um explain the riff explains when we uh, w- about the Musaf thing. I think I put that in there. Um, yeah. No, I did. Yeah. Oh, here it is. It's in Gimel in the. Uh, I don't know which. Uh, which model you have? But I don't
1: think anyone's
0: having but no. Well, you have a riff or you don't? No. 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 If you have a steinfeld, it doesn't have. We have to have like a regular one, but okay. I could I could like submit pictures and then you guys could also get like a computer that has like the um, the uh, you can pull it up online. Um I could do this. and then send it to you. Oh, you guys don't have your phones. Or maybe you do. But I could send it to you. Hold on. Um, it's not the most perfect picture, but you might be able to blow it up a little. And um, uh, Well, I could also do a screen share on here, I guess. But it's, it's harder. I would have to find it. Um, well, if, you, if you can screen share, it, it'll be possible. Should I? Can you? Um, the picture that I took or or, or find it online? You
1: got it. You got it. we got
0: it? It's 4B. Where
1: are we going back?
0: In the reef, it's Gimel.
1: Okay,
0: it. where, it, where it says Gimel, it says Pirusha Akhon, Amid Palil Musaf. Be let me see if i can uh i can um airdrop it to my own computer all right one more time how does it start
1: it's
0: a, it's a, there's a it says like mara there and then it says pirusha Hamid Palil. let me see if i can Okay, here we go. If, you I, do. Uh-huh. if I do now, I do. I do it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Verses Yeah. And then it says Yerushalmi. Right. Uh-huh. So he says, mm-hmm. We want every holiday to have Morida Tal mentioned on it. Tal because Tal is a is a good sign for the world because Tal is always there, and it's a, it's considered a b'chah that's uh, uh, you know that's a constant baha because it's always there. You always have dew on the ground, and therefore we always want to mention Tal. What does that show you?
1: <laughs>
0: okay, so so that Yerushalmi, that Yerushalmi is telling you that there's a reason why we want another reason why we want the change to happen on a Yom Tov, not only because. Mashiva Geshem relating to uh, uh to Sukkot, because perhaps then you could even have it from the night before, or you could have it whatever. But the idea is that you want to have tal also mentioned on every holiday, So you'll always have uh the uh the mention of tal on all the holidays, and um and he said and he, they give an, they go on and say that um they give a practical reason for why the um if you look at the bottom and obviously i have a i, I always like the Um when i was a kid um he was my favorite rishon i would say because he's very uh he's a maverick he sort of has his own shi'ot uh, and everything but here it's not so he's not so controversial all but it, he's he says on the bottom he says katava Allah they asked, Why don't you mention it at night time? Because not everybody is there yet. Meaning, why can't we mention it at the night of Shminyaterit? Because not everybody comes to shul at night. Okay. Um the Askirbu Shaharit Afu Savoshirmi Ba Ereb Hava Vehu Hava min go. The issue is like this This is a practical reason In other words, if there's two ways To interpret why we Would mention in the Musaf It seems from Rav and Shmuel's interpretation That it's connected to the Kiddushat Yom of the Day But there's also a practical reason why it's Musaf He says because fr- the nighttime of the Yom Tov Not everybody comes so then Shacharit, if you hear them saying wach, moed, Shacharit, you're going to think they probably started last night and I wasn't here. I need to do two amidas now to make up for the one that I missed because I obviously messed up in the arbit and I didn't say the wach, moed, so they decided make it in Musaf so that the person will realize they hadn't started it yet and they'll hear it in Musaf and they won't make a mistake, right? So basically that's the practical reason, right? That's the practical reason. But look at what the Bala Ma'or then says. I think that's so interesting. A oh person... But that, that's something that you had said before. You said, is it because the, the highest point of the Tzfilah Musaf? Right? That's exactly what he's saying. This Midrash says. So instead of a practical reason, he's giving a more philosophical reason. That that's the time the person is most focused, right? And dichtiv shima That's a that's a uh, a that we read on Yom Kippur, right? Hazina tzedek here righteousness. That's the kriyat shema. Okay, listen to my song. That's the chacharit. That's but listen to my prayer below sifte mirma, without false lips, that is tefilat Okay? Lefichach, the next pasuk is, from before you, my judgment goes out, zo hi in shofar betefilat ha-musafi. That's why we say, that's why the shofar in musaf. In other words, he's saying that musaf, I was saying before, a more pshat reason, not agada reason, that musaf is, usually where whatever is singular about the day is expressed. He's saying something else, which is, well, he's basing the agada that Musaf has a particular quality of Kavanah because it is the uh, it is the height of the tefillah, because you, you've already been in davening for a long time. By the time you get to the Musaf, hopefully the Dato is alav and alav, and, and therefore he's more focused. So that's even more beautiful in a way because it's more substantive. In other words, according to this, the reason why you're reading at Musaf is not just because you don't want people to make a mistake and think they started at Arvid of the night before. It's not because only, oh, well, generically, it happens to be that we always express the unique features of the day at Musaf. No, the reason is because Musaf has a quality of kavana, And if we're gonna introduce an idea that's worthy of focusing on and that we need your full attention, just like we blow the shofar at Musaf because we want full attention of the uh, of the individual on the tefillah and on the so, on the shofar. That's what we're doing here too. We want the full attention of the person on the mashivah the Geshem beginning. So that because it's also part of the mishpat. It's part of the uh, of the din of uh, uh, alamayim. I think it's amazing. It's like uh, it's a beautiful concept. It's it's sort of the opposite of what the Ramah says that I always like to tell people and they never believe me, but I know you'll believe me, um, that uh, why the Ashkenazim only read, uh, only have um, uh, uh, Birkat Kohanim. uh, We know that they only have Birkat Kohanim on the Chagim, but they only have Birkat Kohanim uh, at Musaf of the Chagim. And what does the Ramah say the reason is? He says, because when is the person the most happy on the holiday? When he's leaving the shul, because he's going home to eat lunch. So because because their whole issue with doing Birkat koanim in Chutz Haaretz is that people are very sad, you know. But we're, we live in we are in the Galut, and 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 in the Galut things are not happy, and it has to be besimcha. You can't do Birkat koanim besimcha if you live in the Galut. So therefore, we have to do it at the happiest time. So therefore, they only do it on holidays. But what is the happiest time of the holiday? Not uh, Shacharit, because there's a lot of davening ahead of you, and you're gonna you know you're gonna be in shul for a long time. It's, a, it's at the end because then you know you're going for lunch. It's very funny, but I think it's a, another example of uh, of uh, brut, brutal uh, realism maybe um, there, you know, because it's it's very true, people are ready to go by the end of the uh, by the, the Musaf. But this is the opposite, it's saying that, no, you're, the height of your kavanah really would be the Musaf because you've built up, hopefully, from the beginning of the tefillah to a, a certain high point by the end. And so when you come to Musaf, you're already, uh, you're already uh, in the in the best mental state to focus on what it is that you're saying, and um, and that's that that's what the the what he's adding by t- moving away from the more pragmatic idea of the uh, uh, of the uh, reason for Musaf. Okay? But uh, I, I, you know,
2: should we stop here and go for lunch, or? Yeah, I think yeah.
0: this is a good this time good time an to break, and then and then an hour we'll do uh, the Navi, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, hopefully my main goal with showing you this and like I didn't I wasn't really that organized I just but I I wanted to give you a piece that is digestible that um you can see how you can take a halakha or a piece of gemara that is uh, and if you and 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 you can if you at first without a framework without a conceptual framework in which to you know through which to understand it it's really sometimes unintelligible, or at the very least, it would just be a bunch of technical halachot that really wouldn't go anywhere. But if you give, if you assume, and you have to assume that every mitzvah, every halakha has depth to it, so, and you and you trust in that, and you ask questions and you push, then you find that there's a lot of depth, even to these halachot and these little discussions in the Gemara that seem to be um, not earth shattering, but really they're revealing to, to us something that changes our perspective on uh, something that we took for granted, and and we and and I think that every experience you have of that, it gives you more conviction in a way of learning to seek that. Always to seek what is the broader framework into which this halacha fits that will give it meaning, and that and that whenever something doesn't seem to make sense, don't be afraid to say it because a lot of times that's opening the door to a deeper understanding. That's why they say sh'elat chacham chatzit shuvah. You know, if you if you have a question, you're already halfway. You're already halfway there. Um, but if if you if you, if you uh, approach things um, with a lot of preconceived notions and you don't ask the questions that are that might be obvious to a uh, uh, simpleton, you know, you have to approach it as a simpleton. That's what I said. I mean, I think that that's the way to go. Don't assume anything and just ask the question. That uh, if it doesn't make sense, that's probably because everyone else is ignoring that it doesn't make sense. It's probably not because uh, it actually makes sense on the surface. It probably doesn't. But most people are not. Willing to see that uh, if you're willing to see that that's how all great discoveries are made when <coughs> Einstein started to ask very, very basic questions like what is matter and what is time and all that everyone was like what kind of a ridiculous question is that everyone knows what matter and time are but obviously they didn't. So uh, you know you that, that's how that's how new discoveries are made, so you have to be asking those questions all right, so because have an hour we'll do. Uh,
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, so Eliyahu, we're gonna do Eliyahu good back stuff. Go
2: we'll
0: start with um, the middle of the 10th line in La uh, in Yeah, when
2: Eliyahu comes. It is before. about so we can get a...
0: Yeah, yeah, no, we'll start with the part of Achab. I forget what pasuk it is. It's right around there. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll, yeah. Yeah, we'll start with Achab and give a little background. I mean, uh, and then we'll uh, get into Eliyahu. It's fascinating stuff. Thank
1: you. Okay. All right, also well, oh, we'll, we'll see you
0: in a bit. All right, see you then. Thank
1: you.